truth and preservation of our soul shine I can feel it yours and mine close your eyes and witness it inside in your bones you will know trust and let go All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 16, Consciousness, Collaboration, and Balance with Khalil Kalavas. Khalil was born in 1982 in Madrid, New Mexico. He was raised mostly in central Connecticut, and he's always felt a bit out of place. He also felt a longing to travel in search of something more in alignment with his creativity and the need for a natural lifestyle. This journey has taken him to Taos, New Mexico, Portland, Oregon, and Costa Rica. In each of these places, he learned from other seekers, farmers, innovators, and alternative lifestyle advocates that have been exploring living in a way more in alignment with the planets and natural systems. Given that he came from a string of engineers on his father's side, computers and visual technology seem to be natural to him. Over the years, his love of digital photography led him to virtual tours, 360-degree video, and eventually to his current focus on interactive development. This work is all about creating living and breathing presentations using matching, 3D imagery, and interactive elements that invoke documents, video, and audio information. He believes that the current tech infrastructure is ripe for simulating and teaching others how to live better life and ultimately free us from feeling out of place on planet Earth. As he grows his skill sets, he sees that others are in the trenches with him, with the same idea of being a Trojan horse in a sometimes violent gaming industry through sharing permaculture and sustainability through virtual, augmented, and mobile technology. If we can't be the change we want to see, at least we can code it. Welcome, Khalil. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Eric. It's a great pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to talk with you. Thank you. Well, the reason I wanted to reach out to you is because you and I have known each other for uh, seven or eight years now, right? And we worked on a project together back in 2004-2005, and since then, we've both, I'll say, had quantum expansion in our spiritual growth and we haven't had a conversation about that before so i i mean we've seen each other's posts but we haven't actually dived into it yet and so tell me about your journey like what started you on this path of getting curious about life past 3d mm, yeah well i mean it's very it's very much like continuing to climb up mountains and then fall down cliff, you know, mm-hmm. and there's been a few cycles of that. I think when I was in Oregon and when we did work, I was kind of diving back in trying to kind of rejoin the collective after trying to remove myself from it, you know, traveling to uh, Costa Rica to learn from more people in permaculture. But the overall theme has really been like, how can I serve the greater collective? And why do I feel so uh, perplexed of 
my life because I've been a person who kind of came from a grassroots environment. My my parents are really kind of unplugged and, and natural in their ways, and um, but they're also politically active. So I have a little bit of that fight in me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then on the other side, my father's side is more engineers and computer people. So I kind of have had an internal conflict that was based on my own genetics <laughs> of saying, here's all this gear, figure something out or get yeah. some seeds, go and plant trees and, uh, you know, t- you know, raise a family off grid. So I kind of like tried to do that and it didn't work. Yeah. And I kind of <laughs> found myself out of money and people stressed and wanting more from me and um and then i would return so uh, at that point of coming to oregon to meet you i was just coming from living in uh taos off the grid in the desert feeling out my desert roots because i was born in new mexico and uh feeling really disillusioned uh, with that life getting sick um almost died of cryptosporidia by collecting my water that was contaminated and uh Then I just started to apply for jobs and tech jobs in Oregon, and that's when we connected. And a lot has happened since then, but basically it's a similar structure. I'll, I'll be swimming outward, uh, you know, trying to live a more unplugged life and then getting pulled back in. Mm-hmm. So full circle, I'm currently pulled very deeply in, <laughs> very deeply into the collective picture, okay. working on some very interesting jobs that are that are good you know they have a lot of meaning to them but they're definitely not organic (laughs) so to say yeah well and and how so i've seen some of the stuff you've done and the energy you're bringing to it feels like you're bridging that non-collective energy into what you're doing because like when you did that post of um the anatomy what I felt was this, you know, you're exploring the human body and you're doing it in a non-invasive way. And this is like how it can be. So you're, you're giving, you're feeding into that possibility of quantum physics. Yeah. And I sense that that's what you're imbuing in the work you do. Yeah, that's, you actually nailed it. And actually, it's really nice to hear a kind of external perspective from it, because it is uh, definitely something that I've thought about, is that, you know, quantum physics says that what we can imagine uh, will manifest itself. So, uh, you know, I feel a bit like a Trojan horse uh, in this machine, because we're creating this new technical paradigm, mm-hmm. yet all the same players are kind of blazing the trail in that, you know. And in particular, the gaming industry, which I'm involved in now, is uh, kind of split. There's like creating games that create positive change and these quantum field collapsing ideas. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the crazy shoot 'em up games that are just so gory and so intense. And I get both sides of it. You know, um, I, I, I play the video games. I see the kids are into it and I understand. And I feel like we have to reach in to that creative brain just like writers had to write in and overwrite maybe the the printing press were being kept by only the imperial and to religious law and we had to learn to write and to press our own books 
to infiltrate the main continent. Same thing's happening now. Advent of radio, same thing. You know, pirate radio, people coming in saying, like, we want the airwaves. Mm -hmm. TV, we're going to do public access. Now we're going to bypass you with YouTube. And we're constantly... Podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, and podcasts. And podcasts are just, they mean so much to me because they they are not co-op. They're one of the most grassroots forms of, of, of media. And there's a lot of good information being disseminated through it. So I appreciate your work big time. And there's something about the human voice as well without the distraction of a video, there's so much more coming through the voice box, you know, the person's history and their tone and, and their emotions. They're so, so really, yeah, it's so versatile. And, you know, what, what I'm seeing right now is that the, there's so many things to be added to that collective consciousness that can be uh, stand out because it's, it's very new, you know, we're yeah. in a new age. And I'm I'm feeling it definitely. It's it's the the amount of shifts I've had since I took this. So the vow of peace was me snapping after the Paris bombings and saying I have to do something really drastic in my life. And this came out of me. You're taking a vow of peace. Okay, I vow. I'm taking a vow of peace. Period. I I vow that I'm going to have a life filled with peace. Well, that's great amazing what the fuck does it mean and so for six months i didn't read anything because i was so invested in the dominant paradigm of violence and so after a while i got some book recommendations and i slowly came back into reading i found gaia and i found uplift tv i haven't seen a movie in a theater in two years because nothing's resonating with me. It's not that I don't like movies. I just don't like violence and I'm not blind to violence. I'm aware that it happens. I just don't focus my energy on it because it creates a lack of peace in my life. So I'm aware that humans for millions of years, I mean, I'm a cultural historian, so I get this millions of years, people have been tended towards the amygdala right? Let's go to the fight or flight. And I'm feeling, I'm sensing the shift that we're tired of that. Are you feeling that? Yeah, absolutely. How is it showing up in your life? Well, finding out that, you know, there's two ways looking at it. You know, the, our generation is really not paying attention to politics. They're not paying attention to the TV. And they're either going about it as far as like avoidance or proactive you know and the more people i see proactive in like the local scene uh these are people who are creating csas people who are creating local collaborative kind of like meetup spaces are huge Mm -hmm. and the collaborative kind of entrepreneurialism i think entrepreneurialism and collaborative entrepreneurialism are like this new realm of people who are like yeah all that's going on you know, I really could just be part of this collective story, tune into the news. But when you have a vision and when you have a mission, you just don't have time to get your vibe sucked out of that. And I'm not saying everybody's going to do that, right? Because look at an ant colony. You got all sorts of different roles that are happening. And I think that that's happening. But yeah, I've noticed for me that I feel better if I uh, watch what I consume. I don't really watch the media. My parents are super into to it because that's their paradigm they grew up in and they're right. just like i mean they're late union organizers are active in politics 
mm-hmm. I feel I can take a little bit of break from that because I'm I'm with you. I don't watch crazy violent stuff anymore. I don't watch anything that's like overly like disrespectful on a, like a sexual realm. I want my thoughts to be pure as nature intended it. And my life reflects it because that I think if I was doing more, uh, you know, taking in violence and bad, you know, visions and those things would happen in my life. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going down to even music. I mean, music is huge. It's like you could listen to the music and feel terrible. I mean, has that been a, have you found some good music that's really helped bring you back in alignment? Well, right now I I um I went to um a, a wedding for one of my friends last month and it was an Indian wedding, and that music is joyful like what was played at the wedding because it was a wedding. So I went on um on a search for for kind of that sort of belly dancing sound, but not really because everything I heard was too fast. I'm like, no, I want a slow movement like you know, moving your hands like waves. So yeah, I found a couple artists that just specific songs. Cause I went I spent about two hours looking for a song that resonated and and so I found a couple songs. I'll send it to you. Because they just feel like my soul wants to express itself through that way. And what I've learned with with since Shafali's wedding is my culture, the one I grew up in, was disdainful of dancing. And for me, dancing is a very powerful expression of what my soul wants to say. And so removing the barriers of self-judgment to allow myself to just experience the moment, and I'll just close my eyes and start dancing because I don't want to even see what I'm doing. I just want to feel what I'm doing. And that's really powerful for me because, you know, growing up in Western Connecticut, not Eastern Connecticut where you are, but Western Connecticut was a lot about wondering what other people would think of you and and behaving accordingly. Absolutely. That's huge here in Connecticut. Yeah. We have this weird thing. I mean, like I'm always in Boston, New York, because that's why I like being here, because there's a lot of action happening there. But right here in the middle, like, you know, it's very much like old power systems that are just staying put. And we know that there's that over there and that over there, all this fun, funky stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but that feeling of like not wanting to step out of line for fear of loss of security, like it's been ingrained in the yeah. culture for hundreds of years. But we're like breaking that down bring something up for me that I was exploring that's related is that if you look at the powers of control and the structures of control, they've moved from brute force to economic mm-hmm. to now they're social. So look at who is, who is already at social, which is where the ground floor is musicians, artists, and they had free realm. Mm-hmm. And now you see that Facebook has created the largest country in the world. And they've just announced an alternative currency called Libra. My thoughts are, is that the powers that be or the structures that want to maintain these systems that they've built for thousands of years are now using social structures for control. So it means that we really have to get organized because this is our playing ground. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been the muses, we've been the artists, and we've somewhat had like 
a separate playing ground that was very personal. It was in our living rooms. It was in our studios. It was out in the streets. Now they're in our living rooms. Mm-hmm. They're on our canvases. So this is like what I'm really exploring now is how can we create a, a, a new social structure that is not going to be overtaken by their algorithms. Mm. Like if you post something positive, is it only going to the 15 people that are positive on your stream? It's right. very true that it is. That said, if we get organized on a local level and we create a new social pipeline, it doesn't mean a new network, but some sort of support system mm-hmm. to make sure that the art stays pure. Yeah, you know, and that's one of my goals as being a technology person is to bring the art back into the uh, walled gardens of corporate co-opted movements. So it's so evident in my in my view here that the technology is trying to co-opt it. I even met all these developers that are literally top level, and they're visionaries, they're artists, but their bosses are. But you can see in their eyes that they still have their mission in their hearts. So mm-hmm. we're still good. Dance been done for thousands of years. Yeah. Well, I, I, I recently went to a conscious capitalism meeting in Portland mm. because the premise is you care about your employees. It is employees, product, and people, your, your stakeholders. And all of a sudden, you're not just thinking about profit. You're thinking about your impact. How are you hurting? You know, what are you doing to the environment? How are you treating your customers? How are you treating your supply chain? Like how it's integrated. And so it's profit plus. What are you doing to enrich the lives of others? And that's a premise. And I, I met a woman who, um, when I made eye contact with them, like, oh, we're friends. And that doesn't happen all the time, but she had this this energy. She is part of the UNESCO 2030 mission, which is, so, I gotta have to share this with you because it's so freaking high vibrating, it hurts my head. Okay, so the 17 goals of the United Nations for the entire planet, no poverty, zero hunger, Good health and well-being, quality education for all, gender equality, clean water and sanitation, affordable and clean energy, decent work and economic growth, industry, innovation, and infrastructure, reduced inequalities, sustainable communities, responsible consumption and production, climate action, life below water, life on land, peace, justice, and strong institutions and partnerships. Yeah, that's like, we're going to have this in 2030. We're going to have peace. We're going to have no hunger. We're going to, like, that's, that's the vision for this planet. Mm. It has to start locally. Yeah. And it has I to be agree. collaborative. Mm-hmm. Because we each bring gifts in. I mean, one of the things I, I really loved about working with you is I brought my skill sets in and you brought your skill sets in and we created something together. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it really my, was inspirational. It was. And it was so much fun. Yeah. Because I got to, you know, I didn't have to, I brought my skills. 
And I didn't have to worry about your skills because you had them. Yeah. And working with you was just such a joy because I got to just do what I love and you got to do what you love. Mm -hmm. And we created an educational system for kids across Oregon that hopefully they're still using. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's, that's the power of collaboration. And I think that's the shift I'm feeling this, the current paradigm of capitalism for money doesn't feel it it feels like it's it's crumbling that's what it feels like to me yeah yeah it's really good to hear i I would 100 percent agree with that i think that there's a lot of people delaying that shift in kind of going into conscious capitalism and uh they'll have to they'll have to change quicker but if you look at like the more progressive and kind of innovative places which i'd love to travel to i mean I'm local to Boston. That's my little hub. They're doing it. I mean, they're just like, there's so much like public free education that's there. And all these labs are open to the public and they're taking public TV budgets that nobody's using anymore. And they're channeling it into local media labs. And, you know, first of all, they're raising awareness to problems in their own community. They're taking the young kids off the street, teaching them how to be editors and writers and, you know, journalists. And, uh, you know, but in Connecticut, it's not, it's not really very evident, but you got to look at this as an old nugget here. These people have really been, they have the insurance companies and and they have, you know, the legal system and they're they're not going to necessarily change until they see a critical mass. So I think you're right. Is when the people change, you know, when leaders lead, when when people lead, the leaders will follow. I love that quote because it's like, it truly is. And in ecosystems, the same thing. You know, larger ecosystems are really de- determined based on the small microbial, micro ecosystems that come together and to make change. And we can follow nature. And, and uh, but that UNESCO seventeen goals that you just said, I should have that on my my mirror. You know, like yeah. keep that in the head because man, if that's the the broad vision, then a lot of things that are happening do make sense. We have to purge a lot of sickness, just like the human body. There's mm-hmm. still a lot of viruses that have to be cured um, through elimination, you know? Yeah, it's just like, wow, that's... And and the woman, so I said to her when I met her, and she gave this amazing talk, and I just keep getting more and more excited because I'm like, okay, this is soul wants to do this because that's what happens when I feel that energy. of like, really, really? I could do this? This would be amazing. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with you? Like, how am I going to contribute? And so yesterday she invited me to uh, banning single-use plastics in my house for the month of July. And I have a TerraCycle box for single-use plastics. And the day before she sent it, I was like, you know what? I know. So Mighty Nest is a company that provides links to these amazing companies that are changing how you can live in in your house. So like stasher bags and and cloths that replace paper towels and all these things that are environmentally friendly they lower the impact that you have in your home on the environment so they came out with one this week that you put your produce in and it stays fresh for two weeks wow that's that's amazing and i was like okay so i don't have a need to keep my plastic bags anymore because i was keeping the plastic bags to put them in my 
drawers in my refrigerator to keep the vegetables fresh for a couple of days. Well, now I don't have to do that because now I have this crazy, well, I will at the end of July when it comes out, these crazy bags that I could just put all my veg, you know, like all the lettuce and the soft vegetables and wilt if I keep them out in the fridge for a day, because that's something I feel is another expansion point for me is to get to zero waste. I don't know about tissues, but (laughs) (laughs) because it's, it's this, like, I, I, I don't think I master one thing, but I feel like I've got a good handle on something. So what's the next thing? And, yeah. and it's pretty, what is the next thing for you? I think the next thing is, I think it's going to be zero waste shopping. That's great. I love that. Isn't there a place in Portland that just has, doesn't have, there's like a. There's a, a food front over in Northwest and natural growth, uh, natural, wait, natural grocery is all about plastic, but they have really high standards, which is really hard for me. But um, New Seasons has a really good bulk section. So for the bulk stuff I could do, I use I try to buy most of my stuff from the farmers market because I I want to be I actually making friends with the farmers. That's great. I mean they they need our help. You know, I, one of my one of my best friends' uh, brother in law he has a farm, Forest City Farms, and I did some film work for him. But uh, he had a landscaping company for a long time, and he got this land. He got the land from the town to like a very low, like a hundred bucks or something. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And it's a huge, huge property, very fertile, right on the river. Nice. And he's now just switched over to full-time farmer and he's left the landscaping business behind. But like, it's still very hard for him. I mean, to yeah. make that profit. And this is a guy who had catch. I mean, you know, he's like got a big family. He's very connected in town. He had a landscaping business at all the contracts. But his heart was saying, like, it's not where my heart's at. So he's been double downing. So, yes, going in there makes a huge difference because he is creating, like, doubling his yield every year. And that's literally the food sovereignty of his location. And nobody's commenting him or giving him a pat on the back. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a very sexy story. You go there and it's plants and dirt. Totally an awesome story. (laughs) I mean, but the same coin is, like, you know, everybody who comes in and helps out by you know supporting a CSA is helping to grow the food sovereignty. Instead of saying, "Oh, it's helping the small farmer," it's not about the small farmer. Like this is your food system. Yeah. You know, the Stop and Shop went out of business or it went on strike uh, here in Connecticut, and that's like every other grocery store. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a there was a food shortage. There was people like in line trying to get food, and that was just one grocery store. Well, if we have anything that affects it, that was a little example of how. You know how 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 like you know sensitive our food supply is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, food and water has always been my focus from where sustainability is. Because with those things, if those are kept pure, um, people realize their importance. Then you know you have more cohesiveness. Like we don't want chemicals in the water. You know what I mean? We want access to fresh water, and we want that uh, the food that's not being you know ravaging the soil. With all the chemicals. It's very simple things. You think. It takes responsibility. It takes yeah. responsibility because the money is big. Right. Right. Look at all the people. Do they have time to get in their gardens? Well, I, I manage a garden this year. I mean, um, yeah. A community garden. And yeah. it's an interesting, I mean, it's organic. The city requires it to be organic, which is amazing. 
and they've got like 50 plus plots near the Audubon Society. It's really beautiful. And I have the very unique opportunity to manage paying gardeners to develop community. Wow, that's great. And it's lots of personalities, lots of little fragile egos. And I say that because we all have fragile egos. And I haven't ever been in a management position where I'm not, yeah, I'm not managing volunteers. I'm not managing coworkers. I'm loosely holding a space for people to develop relationships with one another. Wow. Through the concept of gardening. That's interesting, a very niche thing, and probably because they saw that that was the biggest thing tearing apart agricultural communities. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't really been given structures that are not top down, you know? Right. I mean, uh, one of my friends, she brought up, have you heard of sociocracy? Well, it's very similar. I mean, it's basically creating circles of decision making, mm-hmm. kind of like break up the power a bit um, and more niche so people can kind of explain without being questioned. You know, I was brought to this circle of maybe making food decisions because of my experience and coming at it in a humble way. It's not authority, it's experience. Right. And that's like the wisdom keeper. You know, why am I going to listen to? the Hopi prophecy or the things that elders are saying, well, because those wisdom keepers kept that wisdom for more generations than our society could shake a stick at mm-hmm. without all the distractions of all the, you know, things that take us out of the moment and out of the human body. You know, so I really, I really like commend your work for knowing the relationship so important. I mean, I went to communities in Costa Rica and they were falling apart because so many people didn't know their role. Right. And maybe they didn't come in with a specific authority or a wisdom. They weren't holding any wisdom. So without those structures or relationships, these projects are not going to take off. Right. And for me, the drive was, so the, the garden last year when we got a plot, there was no sense of community. And it's called community garden. So the yeah. drive for me, the, the I got to do this. I started doing, I did a winter solstice ceremony. I've done a spring equinox. We had a, a very, very light summer solstice <laughs> blessing with a picnic, and we have 14 people show up because I want to bless the land first and foremost, because the land's providing us this space of quiet, like it's, it's in Forest Park. Wow. Like there's this little oasis of field that the city turned into a garden space with the Audubon Society, and so it's a refuge. Like, it's just all forest. Like, it's just this beautiful little space of quiet. I mean, you still hear the road. You're still hearing Cornell Road. But you can have a relaxing picnic. You can see the eagles flying overhead. You can see hummingbirds. You can see snakes in the ground. It, it It's just, it's peaceful. And so I want people to know that it's safe to come here with their families. It's safe to come here to connect with others. It's like, for me, it's a microcosm of what needs to happen globally. Yeah, absolutely. That's the simplicity that I think uh, we all technically work for, but don't realize we're working for it. People work like, like the, you know, a job they don't, don't really like because they know that they're, they're going to have the security. That's first and foremost, is like the reptilian land. Can I survive? But then also for those two-week vacations where 
they can just let go and commune with nature. And it's so like, uh, it's so missing the point. You know, I like the whole saying, it's like the rich man works all year, um, goes fishing, poor man goes fishing. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. is looking to do that. And I think that, uh, you know, why I chose technology is because is so I don't have to be in this artificial boxes with, with fluorescent lights and microwave food. Like I really like to crunch food. I like to be able to stretch. I like to be able to do meditation. And, um, I see that with, you know, some corporations are starting to infuse those lifestyles in there because they realize that people are unhealthy with that. But it starts with that, right? Like your job is the, your message to the world. And if we all can start to like address what we're doing on work and realize that if we are patient and we have discipline, we can infuse a lifestyle into our work that will enrich us and the people around us. And that's really been my goal lately. It's like, I've just, you know, keep going back to working for big companies that, you know, bottom line is kind of driving force and I lose my, my mission and then I leave and come back to that so i'm in that vicious circle sometimes but here i feel really good about it i think i've made it farther now as an independent mind state with my work than i ever have in my life and i'm not turning back mm. start building it and keep adding adding in like the sustainability adding in the permaculture into even you know even these i'm working on a video game currently and uh it's going to be a great platform for an environmental video game that I have in my head. That's like augmented reality picture being able to have missions that involve, you know, your co-ops, your farms, your energy, your energy use. So, you know. I love that. I love that. And I love, you know, you have, from what I've seen, you have a community where you live that you've actively participated in developing to give you that foundation to be able to say, no, this is where, like, I think what happens for me, part of the reason why I shut down so much is because I never felt like I belonged anywhere because I didn't have people I could connect with. And from what I've seen, and I could be wrong, but it seems like you found a community where you live that is also interested in similar lifestyle choices yeah definitely um well you know lunar rhythm has been going on for 10 years so like it's something that i planted before my travels and uh kept going so it's cool to see the 10 year anniversary um and, and i thank you and uh finally found some people to, to take responsibility and to say hey you're not going to be here this month we'll still keep it going so it's like an ongoing community you know because I'm getting so busy in my work that a lot of those things, they're not taking the back seat. It's just I have to step away from the leadership role because it's so heavily, uh, you know, intensive to do those things. So I think, you know, plant, planting seeds as a consultant, as a person, and then being able to let that marinate is, is another way that communities can grow. Like there's a place in, and I met somebody in Portland that does just that. City Villages, have you heard of them? No. Oh, uh, wow, really? It's called City Villages. This guy, he's he's kind of a community planter. I would say City Villages. The City Repair Project. Okay, this this is a really cool. Basically, the guy goes in there and he's been. Is this it? I'll, I'll have to follow up with it. But okay. I met him at the I met him at the New Seed Gathering, and he was going to like 
communities and taking like their intersections and painting these like beautiful like floral mandalas oh and cool. then gardens all around those uh intersections because his intersections actually took away the village green because all of those towns greens once cars started to come in, they ripped them out and they replaced them with an intersection and stoplight. So he's going into neighborhoods in Portland, Oregon and other places. Looks like he's in New Zealand as well. And he's he's replacing those. He's painting that circle again and putting gardens around there. But the crazy thing is this guy, he does it without permits. Wow. He, it's incredible. I mean, this is like the disobedient level that I really admire because it's like the permit process stops movements. Mm-hmm. But because he has such integrity, then they go and they try to set him down and they go there and they see an old lady on the bench by the garden. They created this beautiful art and people around it and the community creates. They're just like, well, there's nothing to see here. Let the guy do his thing right. over and over and over. That's amazing. Um, but like just to see those type of things happen. I mean, it's like, you know, dead on with the, the grassroots levels are super important, mm-hmm. um, you know, because. I think that the community online, it really is kind of being co-opted. I hate to say that. And it's not based. I feel it. Yeah. I can't say that it's maybe like this evil thing that's doing it. I'm not a cynical person in that sense. But what I would say is that it's because of the structure of the uh, marketing dollar. It's that the the most powerful, older uh, cultured uh, companies have most of the marketing dollar. So they persuaded people's perspective. Right. So it's so important for like a live events. Live events are way more powerful than anybody tells you because it's raw. You go there and there's no algorithm. It's just a dude with a mic and some presenters and real vendors. That's where the, that's where the consciousness shift is changing. So maybe we are coming out of just purely electronic social and coming back to the communities because people are feeling isolated. Yeah. Because you don't get, we're just talking about healing touch, right? And, and the power of that. Even in being in presence with people, we synchronize our breath, our biorhythms, and everything, and creating more resilient um, culture. Like uh, like the blue zones, I don't know if you've heard of the blue zones. Uh, great TED talk, and they talk about the blue zones where more where there's a high percentage of people who live over a hundred years old. Uh-huh. And you know, one of them was in uh, Sardinia, I think, in, in, in Italy, and it's all based on how much they they come together these people are living to 100 years old because they eat food in these large groups their families live close together they have like kind of like a lot of village interaction close-knit roads so this is like you know are we going to live to 100 years old based on just slamming medicine down our throat after eating this bad food no we got to return back to what comes natural you know yeah i mean i i went on a journey a couple years ago i was like okay so i got this phd what the hell am i going to do with it right so I taught myself nutrition. It's awesome. And so I intuitively know I'll I'll research the heck out of something like okay, what's what's the next thing I need to incorporate in my life? I've already done the reishi, I've done the cordyceps, I've what's the hoshu wo Chinese medicine? Like I'll just study it and I'll learn about it. And so I've incorporated that into my life because I figure I can cherry pick the best I have baobab and hoshu wo in my in my morning shake and it cracks me up because I've had an African superfood and a Chinese superfood that I could only have at this time in consciousness. Mm. 
because of the access to it. And so I'm getting the benefits of each culture when I drink my morning shake. Like I can have a papaya and a mango in my morning shake. That's crazy. Like even yeah. even 20 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Well, that's what nature wants. I mean, yeah. nature has always sought to diversify the genetic pool. We're in a land where you can have spiritual, herbal, any type of stuff and bring it into your sphere. Mm-hmm. People feel powerless. I don't know where they're, where they're looking at. I, I think it's because they're just... They don't have, they don't have, they haven't realized that they have choice. Yeah. Well, historical perspective is really good. Whenever somebody starts talking cynical about the day they're living, I'm like, okay, well, do you know anything about history? Because like, let's talk a little bit about the way it was when you would just literally be killed for what you think. If you were anything different, you're just going to be hit over the head with a club. You're dead. So like. If we're not taking those steps in our lives to to uh, to make changes for the better, then you know we're just like living somebody else's story that's been given to us. You know. Well, I think that's that's a beautiful part about being in this time is that we're shedding that illusion of top down being told what to do. Yeah, and that's really amazing. I mean, my cultural historian is going, wait a minute, I'm actually creating my own culture. That's incredible. Like, I, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have done that because it was a theory. Yeah. It was yeah. like Terrence McKenna talking about it. Like, you, you know, in a very yeah. common way. Like, they were like, okay, this guy's on to something, but, you know, he's really far out. But, like, literally all the stuff he talked about is coming true. I mean, yeah. Point zero uh, time. Basically, like, for the amount we can communicate in one day would take you a hundred years, a hundred years ago, right? I mean, you got to send a letter on pony over across the country, and it was lucky if they didn't die on the way. Right. Hi, dear. I miss you. I'll be there in thirty years. <laughs> but now it's like I'm like write an email, like send this, and like start a business and send transactions, plan a trip while I'm eating herbs from every part of the glo- the globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that power is just definitely is here for for us. Yeah, I'm so changed to the things that outside of the programming and absolutely like you said, I mean watching what we consume. I mean, it's good to be politically aware, it's good to be aware of what's happening. At the same point it's not good to just sit there and just indulge in it because it is an emotional addiction. I saw a video yesterday. It was fascinating, it's still like running through my head. And said, okay, so the majority of people, you got eight hours a day to sleep. What do you do with the other 14 hours? Most people spend 14 hours a day distracting. So if you took that 14 hours a day over the space of six months, you could be an expert in anything. If you practice piano 14 hours a day for six months, you'd be a concert pianist. Yeah. Instead... You're focused on the distraction. What's the email saying? What's this saying? What's that saying? And you're not being able to focus. And then I sat with that. I was like, this is an amazing concept because I never really thought about how it was a guy who was both a quantum physicist and he'd studied Buddhism. I don't remember his name. It just showed up on my YouTube feed. And I was like, I got to get watch this. And so he got the, he explained the law of attraction. He explained all this stuff in a way that was so 
freaking obvious to me. It's like focus, just focus. If you focus, you don't need 14 hours a day. If you focus two hours a day, if you focus 30 minutes a day on whatever it is you want, it'll happen. And so many people I know, phone is a, a phone, and I have a beautiful, tenuous relationship. I'm pointing down because it's sitting next to my foot. Phone's a shiny object. And I love shiny objects. I am a shiny object person. I just get, oh, shiny object, oh, gosh, shiny object. So I have this tendency to run towards a shiny object. So I'm already wired towards distraction. Yeah. So to get myself undistracted, to actually practice, I can do. My meditation is pretty good. And I can meditate up to like a half hour a day, which is amazing for me. And I can edit because I don't have an editor to hire. So I'm really good at editing. (laughs) But, you know, other things that I know I should do. And I put it on my list of things to do every day. Do I do them? Sometimes. Sometimes I get distracted because I allow myself to distract myself. And when I know I have... um, an emotional trigger, like there's something within me that I need to heal that I don't want to heal. I am expert at distraction. So good at distraction because I don't want to heal it. Because sitting with myself and, and being and feeling my emotions, despite the fact that I've done this for several years, it's still pretty damn uncomfortable. We're always trying to take something in when we as if it was a soup with not enough salt, you know? Right, right. More <laughs> salt, and it'll be good. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And, you know, like, it's very difficult for me. I mean, I don't know. You can see I'm surrounded by technology. Yeah. But I, I am I'm very much, like, go back and forth. I don't know. It's like the way I eat. I eat for a day, and then a day I don't eat. I, uh, you know, grind for a week, and then I take a week out in the woods. So I'm kind of like a hot personality in that sense but mm-hmm. i do see the huge improvements after taking the time out and the productivity mm-hmm. so we could like map it you know i might be able to think i get 30 things done today but if i did some I, instead of doing only 10 if i did some rest in the next two days i could do 15 a day you know so it's like equating all of that <clears throat> in the big picture because we need to be rested and we need to be balanced especially when we're telling other people that you know so Ah, this this week has been good. I took two days out for my birthday and I went and I spent some time with a really awesome person and we had a great time and we unplugged and just human stuff, beach, conversation, boring mm. metaphysical topics. I mean, that, that's really what I see uh, to balance this life tech. So it's possible. That's awesome. I'm glad you did that for yourself for your birthday. I am too. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to talk about? Um, not exactly, other than just to tell people to keep their faith and whenever you think that the world is darkness, look around you in the five bit world for all the stuff that is beautiful and, and light. You know, and be grateful. 
And as soon as you're grateful for the five foot world, what's in front of you, the stuff out there is, is not as impactful, you know, that's kind of like been my motto. That's a beautiful motto. Thank you. Oh, it's so wonderful to reconnect with you. It's nice to reconnect with you. I really appreciate you. And thank you for uh, reaching out and getting me on this call. It's been, been good to explore and hear your perspective, just to, to feel optimistic about it because we're doing the work and we have been for a long time. Oh, thank you so much for shining your light in the world. Uh, thank you. It was well, Erica, keep up the great work. You too, my friend. Namaste. Namaste. The action item of the week is to tune in and see how you're nurturing your sense of community. If you are feeling lonely, check out Meetup, see what's going on in your community, or reach out to an old friend. Connection is an integral part to our health. As a note to my listeners, I will be taking a break in podcasting on the week of the 14th. I will return on the 21st and you'll have another podcast. So until then, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go.